0: Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now, here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon.
1: Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we have Megan and Corey on from Nightlight Adoptions. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Okay, so I'm breaking my own rule by interviewing an agency, and usually how I do it is if the family comes on and would like to promote an agency, I let them do it because I don't have experience in working with agencies. So I can't say they're great or they're not. In this case, we have had two families come on and talk about you guys. We've had Marty and Elizabeth. They came in and shared their story on embryo adoption. That's on podcast on Adoption Now. And then the second family was Brian and Season. They came on and talked about how they adopted their little girl through your foster to adopt program. Both couples love you, raved about you. And so I had to call for myself. I called Megan and I think we talked for like 30 minutes and you just told me about your programs. And actually in the back of my mind, I really liked you right off the bat. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking my husband and I, we might choose one of your programs in the far away future, right? Because we had three little kids. And then all of a sudden we get this call about Malia, who is our little baby we just brought home. She's the biological sibling to our two-year-old. And we called our agency immediately. We talk a lot about agencies on the show. We talk about how to find a good agency. What kind of questions should you be asking? And how do you know if that's the right agency for you? And so I talk a lot about connecting with your agency, finding out if they can keep up with your desires. And what I mean by that is, if you're gonna go state to state, can that agency do ICPC? Do they know the law in the other state? Do they know Colorado law well? I mean, you need to find out, are they up to date on everything? Are they up to date even with technology? And do they use email? And I say that because our agency did not, and they literally used typewriters. Wonderful people. But when it came time to go get our baby in Florida, they were typewriting everything. Is that, is that how you say it? Typewriting.
0: typewriter
1: Typewriting. <laughs> they were typewriting everything and shipping it through the mail, and we're waiting to get clearance. And so it became a disaster. Oh. It wasn't. It wasn't great. But we were willing to use them again because we had worked with them so many times. And they said, "Absolutely, we want to do this for you. We want the biological siblings to be together." And then a week later, they said, "We're closing." After 30 years of adoptions, we're closing. And I'm like, well, what are we going to do? And my husband is like, well, what about Nightlight? You talked to Megan and Kim Maeda, who is also on the show and shared her story. She said, you should call Nightlight. So I called Megan. I'm like, hi, it's me, April, from Adoption Now. I've got a situation. And that's when she called you, Corey, and you guys all got involved. How did you feel when I first called you and said, our agency is closing, this is immediate. I mean, we literally thought she was going to go into labor in the next mm, four weeks. Yeah. yeah. And so it was urgent. And you said yes. How are you feeling? And why did you think, okay, I'll help her?
0: How could we say no? There's a little girl waiting for her mom on the other side of the country. And it's just not in our policy or philosophy to prevent kids from getting into their forever family. But we just were so excited to help you get your family And have the girls be together. Um, And so we just made whatever accommodations we needed to do. And I helped Megan with some of her workload. And she stepped away from some of her other responsibilities so that she could just help you guys. Because that was what we felt called to do. It was pretty messy, wasn't it?
1: Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Because you had to get our home study forwarded to you. And then you had to update it. Correct. Yeah. And when you got it, you found we needed a lot. Of work yep (laughs) I remember he said you guys aren't up to date on your CPR and we're like well what what do you mean you're like take it it's an online course no big deal six hours later but you know what I have sat in several CPR classes I will say the online one I learned the most really that's good to know yes because it was so repetitive and you're watching it and you're not distracted by a teacher laughing or you know you're not thinking about your break Mm-hmm. You're thinking about, I need to get through this. Yep. And what was crazy is when we were driving to Florida, we were the first people on an accident site and Noah ran out. And I'm like, this is why I didn't want to get certified. And he ran out. He was the first responder. The guy was breathing, so he didn't have to perform CPR. But my thought was, oh my gosh, we're ready. We're ready in this adoption. If our, you know, we need something with our kids, but also if we're going to be on site of a accident.
0: Isn't that crazy? That's incredible how God just used that opportunity for you.
1: Yes. So we got through that, but that was, that was just the start of the problems, right, Megan?
0: Oh yeah. It was quite the journey.
1: (laughs) And all the paperwork that we had to update and things that were, you know, written through the typewriter and trying to really update them so that we could go over and get this baby in Florida. And we didn't know if we were going to get her and it was on and off. I mean, Those of you who have heard our story, and you can go back into the podcast, but you know what we went through. And this was the agency that came with us the whole time. And I just want to say, if I had not had this experience with Malia, I was very much, I don't want to say a Debbie Downer about agencies or upset about lawyers. But I would say that our experience was not good. And it was not beautiful, You know, everybody wants this beautiful adoption experience and it doesn't always work out like that. But if you don't feel like the people you're with are supporting you, it's even worse. And I don't think our agency intentionally meant to not be supportive. They were, they just had a hard time meeting the needs of what the paperwork needed to be. They didn't know all of Colorado law. It's changing so fast all the time. And they just had a hard time keeping up. But I would say that the lawyers that we've had before, oh my goodness, they just wanted money. I mean, they just wanted the $45,000. They didn't want to support you. They weren't there for you when the mom was about to change her mind. I mean, that's a lot to go into and then not feel that support. And so I just want to say the whole time I was with you, I'm like, this is what adoption is meant to be. And every time we'd have this like fall through, you guys were there to be like, oh, what do you need? I mean, there are times you're on vacation and you were forwarding stuff to Corey and we got to get this for them.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's so awesome. Thank you guys so much. You're welcome. And thank you, though, for the opportunity, not just to help create your family, but to be able to come on here now and speak to, you know, what it should be for families, what they can expect from an agency. Let's
1: talk about your agency. You guys have a, a couple of different programs. Let's talk
0: about those programs. So we offer embryo adoption, which you mentioned, domestic infant, foster care to adoption as well. And we have 19 different international adoption programs that we run as well.
1: Oh my goodness. So four different
0: programs. Four different programs.
1: If an adoptive family is looking to expand their family or this is their first adoption, how much money should they have saved? Um, foster care
0: by far is one of the cheaper programs. I mean, we've got some incentives to get families more involved if finances are a barrier. I would say on average, 20000 is probably a good place to start. That's what I say.
1: All right, Thanks I feel on the same page. <laughs> I feel so justified. Twenty thousand, and when I say it to families, their eyes bug out. Like, are you, if it's their first one, if it's their second, they know. But twenty thousand dollars is a great start to infant adoption. Let's talk about each program individually. So let's start with what you said most inexpensive, and that would be foster to adopt. How much does that cost a family?
0: It's about sixty three hundred dollars, and again, we offer some incentives and some scholarships to families who kind of willing to meet the need in Colorado and what that is for us is that if you're coming to the program and it's a foster to adopt situation it's really more of the full fee and if you're coming to us and you're willing to work with our kids who are over the age of nine and sibling groups and you're open to any race or ethnicity or cultural background if you're open to kids who aren't quite legally free yet and might still have visits and maybe their permanency goal is return home initially if you're open to all of those aspects of foster care and willing to adopt if the case goes that way, we will work with you for free.
1: Wow. Yeah. But that's a lot if somebody, I mean, why would somebody go with you guys and not just go through the state?
2: I think one of the, the main benefits of working with um, an agency and specifically night Light is, well, there's a couple of different benefits, but the fact that we're able to work with all 64 counties in Colorado, as well as do out-of-state adoptions is huge because when you're looking, especially to adopt, if you go directly through your county, you can only be matched with children from your county, which really just limits you, honestly. And at the end of the day, we want a really good fit for you and for the child. Another big benefit is we're just your advocates through this whole process. Um, you know, caseworkers and counties are notorious for being overworked and underpaid, and they have huge caseloads. And our goal and our role in this is just to look at you and your family. How can we support you during this process? What can we be doing to make sure you have the resources that you need? We don't We have the privilege that we don't have to work with the biological parents at all. And so we're able to maintain smaller caseloads and we're able to just focus on you. How long does that process take? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, In the state of Colorado, it's a minimum of six months that you have to foster before you can legally adopt. Realistically, it typically takes closer to nine months to a year. If the child's not legally free for adoption yet, the process can be a little bit longer. So it's really kind of depends on what your family is looking for. And then you're doing the home study, not the state. Correct. Yep.
1: Which is a big benefit as well. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. You know, I think the home study, it can be a little intimidating for families because we talk a lot about some personal things during the process. And so you want to be working with someone that you feel comfortable working with. And then typically the way it works at our agency is the person who is doing your home study is the one that is walking with you the rest of the journey too. So by the time we're even getting to matching and looking to match you with a child, we've spent several months getting to know you.
1: A little bit of personal information, Megan. (laughs) I was like, every single thing about me is on these pages. I mean, everything is open. I talk to families and they say, What do I say? What do I do? What's it like? Is she really invasive? Obviously you have to ask the questions, but what would you tell a family that's super nervous about the home study process?
2: I would tell a family that we're not looking for perfect parents. Um, At the end of the day, we are looking for families that are gonna love these children that are gonna provide a safe home for them. And so, yes, we have to ask some of those really difficult questions, but at the end of the day, we're really looking to certify you as much as possible. So you're on our side. Correct.
1: That is something that you want to look for when you are interviewing an agency is do you feel like they're going to be on your side? Because things get really messy and unfortunately your social worker is probably going to see you at your very worst. You're exhausted. Things might be falling through. You're not sure where your money is actually going. You know, for us, we were in Florida and so we didn't know if the money was going to the birth mother, or she was just taking it. And all these things were going on. And I remember trying to talk to you, Megan, on the phone. I was like, I just don't know. And I'm thinking, not only does she know everything about me, she's also seeing me in my worst. Mm -hmm. And you were very unwavering and kind. And so if someone else would have been more stressed out, we might have really conflicted. And then that time, that's the last thing you want to, you don't want to be fighting with your agency. You don't want to be mad at your agency. You want to be working together to get it done. And you kept reminding me that I'm on your side. We're getting this done. We want this baby home with you. We're with you.
0: And I think families need that. Don't you agree, Corey? Absolutely. I think that one of the unique perspectives that the girls have who write our home studies is that they really take the time to sit down, to make it personal I try not to hire people who I don't feel like have the ability to build good rapport. I think being able to build good rapport and quickly is one of the biggest assets of some of our contract writers and home study writers.
1: That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about embryo adoption. How much is embryo adoption?
0: Kind of the same starting point. I feel like adoption in general, outside of foster care, you start at about that rate and then depending on what you're doing with travel fees and things it changes. Um, But embryo is a, about the same price point.
1: Really? Because I remember when I talked to Kim, she said have 14. So 14 and 20 is a big difference. And I wonder if she was saying that because I would be paying my own clinic. If I decided to do it, I would be paying my own clinic fees. But 14000 was how much it was to actually be matched to the donor family and all that process. Now, somebody who has never heard of a
0: embryo adoption, what the heck is that? Let's talk about that. One of my favorite calls, this sounds kind of bad, but one of my favorite calls is that we get women who are pregnant who would like to donate their embryo. And that's a huge misconception about embryo adoption um, is that we can't actually remove it from your body. It has to be created through IVF. And so that's a huge misconception, I think, in the world or right, culture right. about embryo adoption. And it just provides an opportunity for education. And then we get the opportunity to talk to these moms who maybe do aren't ready to parent about domestic infant so we're able to just use that conversation to create a new one but the idea that it's created through IVF is hard for people to understand
1: it was hard for me to understand I was like wait a second what do you mean embryo and then when she explained that it's two people who have done IVF they have their children they don't want any more children or cannot afford any more children and they don't know what to do with these embryos so they can either discard them or give them to science and so they're choosing to gift them to a family who cannot conceive and so in that i would let's say i'm the family who's receiving i would transfer the embryos from their frozen state into my uterus and then carry the baby full term so you are actually giving birth to the baby but it's not your genetic baby correct
2: yeah Another really great thing about the embryo program is that in the eyes of the government, it's considered a transfer of property. So once that child is born, that child is legally yours. So you do not have to go to the courthouse like you do with all of the other adoptions and actually finalize your adoption. And you can also control the prenatal environment, which is huge, too.
1: I get what you're saying, although I think... I, I hear you because you're saying the great thing is, is you get to birth this baby and you don't walk into a hospital room and go, whose baby is this? And the nurses are confused. No, it's always your baby. But it is a little weird that it's transfer of property.
2: Doesn't that seem like? I don't personally
0: agree with that statement, but. I think they're advocating with adoption reform to change the language so that it won't be considered property anymore. But we're in the early stages of that.
1: Yeah, that would be good because it it's kind of conflicting to. Oh, life begins at the embryo, but it's just property. This so it's right. confusing. But when I heard that, and Kim explained it to me, Kim works for you guys as well, I was like, oh, sitting down and doing paperwork before. And so I don't have to guess if this child is mine, this child is mine when I'm signing and then I get to be the mom. And for women who want to carry a child, this is an amazing option. It really is. I did an interview and the woman did not have fallopian tubes. but she had a working uterus. And so she was able, in fact, she's about to give birth like any week.
2: That's so exciting. Her
1: (laughs) Her first baby, she has one adopted, but for her first baby girl. And I was floored. I'm like, oh my gosh, women who would never get the opportunity can now nurse a baby. They can have that experience that they want as a mother. Hearing Elizabeth and Marty's story was so moving to me. And that was my first experience. So my husband was like, what are you going to ask them? Like everything. I'm going to ask them everything. <laughs> and they were just so filled with gratefulness that they got this opportunity. And she was talking about how she grieved so long that she could not have another child and that this became an opportunity for her. And then the baby has an 18 year old sister. So that embryo was frozen for 18 years. That's amazing. Science is amazing. Yeah. And to think that it's a healthy baby. That is what is, it just floors me. I love talking about embryo adoption, but we're going to talk about your other programs. I could talk about this all day. In fact, I interviewed someone and she just happened to mention it. And then I got really excited. She goes, whoa, you're (laughs) really excited about embryo adoption. Like I am too much. When we come back, we're going to talk about your other two programs. And we're also going to talk about a little bit more of our story and how it's going now, where we're at right now in our adoption process. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right
2: back. This is KLTT
0: Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at
2: 670KLTT.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Are you enjoying the program today, but wonder how you can hear more stories about the joys and challenges of adoption? Good news. Adoption Now is available on podcasts through iTunes and Google Play. Just search Adoption Now and subscribe. We download a new show weekly, allowing you access to every story we've shared. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's story as we get back to the host of the show, April Fallon.
1: Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We want to hear your story. Do you have an adoption story? Please email me at april adoption-now.com. This show is dedicated to giving adoption a voice. Don't be afraid to speak out. Together, we can inspire others. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. We're talking to the executive director and the foster care program manager of Nightlight Christian Adoption. Corey and Megan, thank you so much for being here. Thank Thank you. I am loving this interview, can you tell? I mean, I know Megan so well because she's done my entire home study, so she knows everything about me. So I can just be myself. It's like being with my sister and we're twins. In all fairness, I did have
0: to read and approve it. So I also...
1: know everything about me as well. Proxy. Gosh, that's the worst thing about the whole adoption process. Well, there's difficulties and everything, but is really the home study process. You get so stressed out about it and you're like, oh my gosh, they know everything. And is my marriage Okay. And are we making enough money? Are we putting enough money away? What about our debt? I have the, I remember I had student loans and I'm like, they're never going to pass us and our first baby. And then I remember she's like, it's $4,000 left. You're fine. And I was like, that's a lot of debt. And I was living in an apartment and I thought that that would be something that we would not be allowed to be approved by the state. Nope. So you, I like what you said in the first thing that you're not looking for perfect parents. We've talked about the foster care program that you have and how you can adopt through the foster care program through you guys and have access to all these different counties, which really gives you a benefit. Yeah, definitely. We've talked about embryo adoption, which I get very hyper and excited about. And you guys, just a minute ago during the break, you shared something amazing with me.
2: Yeah, so we've had 500 babies born through our embryo program and we're celebrating our 20th year this year of the program's creation.
1: That is just amazing and you
0: corey tell us about the 21 year old we have a 21 year old embryo who will be being born in the next month or two and once she's born it'll be the longest frozen embryo born that's amazing i know there are people
1: right now that their heads are exploding and maybe they're like (laughs) i can't even i don't understand it and then some people are like i want to know more tell me more tell me more information and so at the end of the show we're going to give all your information all the different programs that you guys have and people can connect with you. Perfect. Let's talk about infant adoption, domestic infant adoption.
0: Probably the most popular and most well-known. most expensive? No. It's not international well, adoption, International, so. Mostly because of the travel. Okay. Yeah, but it is still pretty expensive. I think again, starting kind of at that $20,000 mark and on up depending on costs and fees. And if you're matched with a birth mom who's in another state birth mom fees and expenses, um, it just like lawyer fees, it all really adds up. What are birth mother expenses in Colorado? In Colorado, it has to be for pregnancy related only costs.
1: I think that's in every state, although they can manipulate the law. Mm. It has to be proven this is her rent. Can you pay rent here? We can. I prefer not to. Okay.
0: How do you talk a birth mother out of that? We just offer other services. Um, So if there's something else that she has going on that, you know, we can help with, maybe it's, you know, that she's struggling to get to appointments for, you know, prenatal. Right. We can offer to help get her to that so that she can then use the other money that she has to pay her rent.
1: Okay. So that makes sense. What about her medical fees?
0: Is she covered under insurance? She should be. We encourage all of our birth moms to make sure that if they qualify that they are applying for Medicaid and if they don't have private insurance that creates a whole nother animal and some pretty expensive cost to the adopting family. This is something that I t- also tell adoptive families make
1: sure your agency is pushing for that. There are some agencies who do not require that from a birth mother they don't even try to investigate that and once the baby's born it is the adoptive parents responsibility to pay for not only her fees mm-hmm. but also baby and if baby is in NICU You got to get that baby on your insurance immediately. I mean, it is overwhelming at times and a surprise. I had one family say, well, I was willing to pay because she was giving birth to our daughter. That sounds amazing. But when there's an option of Medicaid or there's a different option out there, paying that $10,000 out of your pocket
0: seems a little frivolous. Absolutely. We actually include the Medicaid application in our birth mom packet.
1: Okay, good. And you want an agency to do that. You want a lawyer to do that. Another thing, we showed up at the hospital in Florida with our second adoption and our lawyer had done nothing. So the hospital handed us an $80,000 bill and said, it's probably going to get to about 120 because our baby was in the NICU. Oh my gosh. And we're like, well, what do you mean? wasn't she on Medicaid? What?" And they're like, oh no, your lawyer didn't do any paperwork. This is all out of your pocket, right? There was a nonprofit at that time that was in Florida that would retro it all back and they came in, they helped us and we paid them a fee to then go and do that. But it was nothing near $80,000. Don't get yourself into that situation. Make sure you're asking those questions. And if your agency doesn't like those questions, maybe you should consider not working with that agency because you wanna know, it's your right to know. You're paying a lot of money. You should be treated with some sort of respect. You should be able to say, hey, this is the law. I have a lot of questions about that. Colorado law is not easy. If I have to wait six months, does that
2: mean an aunt could come in and want the baby? And would she get custody? It's a case-by-case situation, um, definitely, especially with foster care. With foster care, the goal is always reunification first and then family afterwards and then an unrelated adoptive family. However, if you've had that child for the last six months, the caseworker is going to have to really consider, is it in the child's best interest for them to go with an aunt that they have no relationship with whatsoever? Do you think that the state looks at that? That's a good question. I have great
0: questions (laughs) too.
1: (laughs) I think that my point is, is the way that you respond that's very supportive. And one of the things, I remember you asking me a bunch of questions, Megan, when you were doing our home study, and I was like, why? And you said, Somebody did something along the road that wasn't right. And so I have to ask you these questions. And that made sense to me. Okay, we're jumping through these hoops because obviously there's been something that has gone wrong. And you're just making sure that you can present the best case to the state. So you're doing me a favor by asking me a lot. And I also tell families that too when they're like, whoa, it was like they're just doing their job. You don't know what's happened in Colorado. You don't know what's on the back end of the state law and why it's there and why we have to follow it. So I think you're really good at explaining when I see that our family at times got overwhelmed because we have been doing this. This is our seventh placement. And so we have been doing this over and over. And then to have to answer again, because you're a new agency, I thought, oh my goodness. But you were great at saying, okay, we just got, we're almost there, you guys. I know it's a lot. (laughs) And sometimes that just can make somebody go the extra mile and stick with it. $20,000 is a lot saved. And sometimes families feel like, hey, I've jumped through that hoop. I got the money. That's just the beginning.
0: It really is. And the home study process is also just the beginning. I feel like once you even pass that point, the home study's outside of the agency's hands. It goes to the state for review. Depending on the kind of adoption, it goes to another country, it goes to USCIS. It goes to all kinds of people who are looking at this document and knowing, again, everything that there is to know about you. And it really turns out into a hurry up and wait process. Okay. So if I do infant adoption with you guys, how long would I expect to wait? From inquiry to potential placement, right now our wait's approximately two years. Two years? Two years. And how many families do you take? Because we have offices in eight different states, each state approximately has five to 10 families. And can it be matched to different states? Absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. So, my
1: profile book is being sent to all agencies. If the birth mother says, I really want somebody
0: named April, then you're the gal. Then my book would be sent. Yeah. We actually have all of our families create eight profile books, uh, typically nine because they want to keep one for themselves, but they send them to every single one of our offices and we're actually moving to profile videos so that birth moms can look at the video online instead of reading a book. You guys are very cutting edge.
1: We're trying. I think that is very exciting. Was your flagship in California? Yes. Okay. And so... You're all connected in all these different states, but the first one was in California.
0: I think video is a great idea. There's a family out of our Texas office who created the most fabulous video. I literally want to go visit them. (laughs) I love that. And it was great because you got to see them interact with their little guy. And that to me just was so heartwarming. I'm not even kidding. like the s'mores over the fireplace. Mm -hmm. I just, I want this family to be my family. (laughs) I love that. And then what about open
1: adoption? Do you do training and open adoption because Colorado is an open adoption state? Our training
0: or adoption training that we do, it's a two-day training and we really talk about that throughout the course of the whole two days, that it's extremely important for the family who's adopting, for the child who's being adopted, and for the birth family as well. What if you have a family that says, I am not okay with it? We need to have a conversation.
1: So almost every family needs to be okay with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember hearing that the first time. Now I'm very pro open adoption. But when I first started, I was like, I have to. I don't want to share. You only think about you Mm -hmm. and how you feel and the $20,000 that you saved up. And then when you really get trained correctly and you really get into the adoption world and you really meet Mm -hmm. a birth
0: mother and you go on that journey with her, everything changes. Well, I think that's the whole piece is that it is. It's a journey with her. Mm -hmm. And even as you're raising your child, it still is a journey with her too. Do you do things to protect the family? Absolutely. We had a situation where a family was almost kind of being harassed by birth mom and it just really wasn't appropriate. And we stepped in and called birth mom and had a great conversation with her and explained why they were feeling the way that they were and asked her, you know, can we make some accommodations to the openness plan? and kind of changed a few things so now that family sends us the photos and we send those to the birth mom and she'll call us every once in a while and you know hey can you call them and see how things are going or can you call and ask a specific question and then we're happy to do that i think that that's helpful for families to
1: hear that they have some say in it it yeah. doesn't have to be completely everyone thinks well are they at my house well you don't always have to tell them where you live right correct right it can be semi open and you don't have to invite them necessarily to birthday parties. Exactly. It's an option, right? You can right. talk, but every birth mother is different as well. Some of them
0: don't want to have an open adoption. And some of them really want an open adoption and they want a visit once a month for the first year. And there's a lot of things that they want from the adoptive family initially. And I've learned over the course of my 18 years in social work that that tends to change that over the course of time, the grief process is just too much and they have to let go a little bit more.
1: How do you help your families understand the grief process?
0: Mostly through training. Yes. Training and conversation. um, And because we do talk about it so much and we do really kind of explain from the birth parents process what that looks like, I think that by the time they get to that point, they have a really good idea of what to expect.
1: Mm -hmm. Oftentimes a woman that is adopting has never been pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so you don't think that through of the morning after you've carried a baby for nine months and all of a sudden you don't have that baby anymore. Right. You Just don't think about that because my joy is her greatest pain and I'm thinking about how I'm bringing home a baby. Right. And so stopping and saying, this is hard because I'm so happy and she's healing. I mean, she has just birthed a child. I think about that even with our birth mother and you saw what we went through with her. Yeah. And people can't understand. you like, you love her. They say to me, you love her so much. I do. And she's treated me really, really badly. But she gave me these two beautiful girls. And they remind me of her. And I dearly love them. And I always think, gosh, if her life had been different, I think she'd be a lot different. And what did she go through in her life to get her in this place where she's having to give up two children? That's really painful. I'm just kind of going through this because... New families are listening to this right now, and they're thinking, I, I can't. This is so much. But really, you take it a little bit at a time. You just, you do the home study, you know, and after that, there's all these things that you accomplish. We get that done, then we go on to the next thing, and then you choose, you know, avenue. And so all of those things are just a little bit at a time. We're just talking about it really fast as a whole. And so if you're listening, you're overwhelmed, don't be overwhelmed. Not Anyone enough. can do it. I did it. You have adopted
0: children? I don't have adopted children. I was a foster parent um, when I was in college, actually, which is probably a super crazy thing to do. Wow. And my husband and I are working on getting custody of his son. And I actually just completed my own home study a couple weeks ago. So you know what it's like. I do know what it's like and how invasive it is. <laughs> yes. Did you do her home study, Megan? No,
2: I wasn't allowed to. Uh,
1: <laughs> did you go outside of your agency? Yes. Yes. Talk okay, About your fourth
0: program, International Adoption. This is way expensive. Way expensive. It requires a lot of travel. We actually have a family who just came back from Albania and they were there for four months and unfortunately came home without their kids. Do you ever talk people out of international adoption? I try not to. I think it's fantastic. I just talk myself out of international adoption all the time. (laughs) Right.
1: Because it's a lot. I was talking to a family who's in the process of it right now and she's like, I'm telling her about the birth mom. And she's like, "That I can't even handle that. But then she's talking about how she's gone over to Uganda three times and she leaves these two kids. I'm like, I can't do that. I mean, isn't that funny
2: that we both look at each other's situation. and We're like, no. And I think that's an important part of deciding which program is the best fit for you, because there are benefits and drawbacks to every program. And it's looking at what is going to be the best fit for your family. Because for some families, spending four months in a country just isn't realistic at all.
1: I feel like now that I've said that the next thing I'm going to do is an international adoption. It might be. All right. I'll go for you guys. We can help you with that. But over $20,000, over $40,000. It can be. Because you have to travel back and forth. 19 countries are open. I didn't even know that.
0: There's way more countries open than that. That's just, we work specifically with 19 countries.
1: You just don't hear it very often. On our podcast, we have eight countries and those are kind of What we get a lot, India, Ethiopia, Ethiopia just closed. The DRC, which is open and close and open and close. You got to open and close, open and close.
0: So what are these other countries? Uh, We have a lot of Eastern European, Albania, Bulgaria, Kyrgyzstan, Latvia, um, Romania, tons of countries over there. And can you bring babies home or is it all older children? It's pretty much older kiddos. So if someone
1: comes in and says, I want to go to Africa and I really want a five month old. Ethiopia was kind of
0: the go-to and then they closed.
1: So if you want an infant, domestic infant adoption is your best choice.
0: Absolutely. If you're willing to do a little bit older and potentially some special needs that we definitely don't consider special needs here in the United States, but China is the way to go.
1: Is China still open? It is. Is that wait five years?
0: No. Like I said, if you're willing to go with some special needs and what that looks like is like left palate, those kinds of things. It's a very short wait, under two years.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that'll be very interesting for a lot of different families. Yeah. Let's talk about the update on our situation. Sounds good. So we talked about in our first segment how we came together. Our agency closed. We called you. and We literally said, we have like two weeks. Yeah. And you guys took our case. That's really special because not all agencies can take another home study and update it. And the state actually required us to do an entire home study again, and they expedited it because this is siblings and they, the state helped us. I felt like one thing you're really good at is ICPC. (laughs) You must be because we're always stopped at the border and this time, nothing. Awesome. And the lady was like happy to work with you. So if you're listening and you're in Colorado and you're thinking, I might want to go to Florida or I want to go to another state. Call Nightlight Christian Adoptions because she works her magic at ICPC. And you can be stuck over in a state if they don't agree with it. I mean, the state has control over why are you bringing this child home? Or I have some questions about what's on their home study. And so if you have somebody sweet like Megan, it helps. Trust me, because I've been there. I've been on the other side. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're never getting home. So thank you for that. Our process was just so crazy with all the paperwork and Our agency kind of like half sent a lot of stuff over to you. And then we had to get recertified in some other areas. You came over and did basically a full home study. You interviewed our kids. We've never had to do that. Hmm. That is a weird part of the process. You take the children away and you're like, oh my gosh, what are they going to (laughs) say? You know, say everything right, kids. Don't you want a sister? (laughs) (laughs) And ours were only six and three and a half. That could talk. And they were excited. They passed. They did. They did a great job. <laughs> they were excited to get a baby. And so that's something you have to consider too. The social worker is going to come in and she's going to interview your kids. And she wants to know that everybody is on board. And that's a great thing. You want everybody on board. You don't want the parents to be like, we're excited about this, but the kids are crying. That's not going to work. Everybody needs to be in it together. And we took our kids to Florida. We drove home. We cried together as a family. I don't know you know, a lot of you have seen the picture of AJ at the bottom of the stairs and I was bawling. I could cry talking about it, but he's holding a little cup of coffee and he's just, he's like, mommy, I made you a cup of coffee. I don't want you to be sad. My heart, because he knew that I was just so sad over the baby and he just went the extra mile. And I have noticed that kids just jump into it and they help each other. And for us, it's a growing part of our family. Right now, we're still waiting for finalization. Yep, That's our last step. Mm -hmm. We went through the termination of rights and I've had to do two post placements, Yep, right? And Mm -hmm. you came over and saw that the baby was doing well. And I've had to take the baby to the doctor and send all those in. So it's a lot of paperwork, even after you bring the baby home and you wait to finalize. But if you have a good agency, they're going to be walking you through those steps. Like I said, step by step to the very end. And that day does come when you finalize. And they get your last name and it's a big celebration and we're super excited. So thank you so much for helping us. We could not have done it without you.
2: It was our pleasure, honestly. To us, we we really view this as a ministry, honestly. I think that it's a true blessing for me to go into work every day and know that I get to just play a role in building families. And so I don't take that lightly. And so it's a huge celebration for us when we get to the point where you are finalizing the adoption and we're able to... Just partake in that process.
0: And praying is through. Thank you so much, Corey. You are welcome. How can somebody get a hold of you? Our website's the best way to do that, nightlight.org. If you want to just shoot us a quick email, you can email us at info at nightlight.org. And if you want to know more about our foster care program here in Colorado specifically, that email address is foster.co at nightlight.org.
1: I'll put all of that on my Facebook. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adopt Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.